Uh, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Okay, reading from, actually we'll just read uh, verses 8 through to 10 for now. So, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them all bung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for today. We thank you so much just for this opportunity of just being able to um, come and, and um, hear the preaching of your word, Father. And we do pray that that you'll just soften each of our hearts and our minds, that we would be open and receptive, Father, to what you have to say to each of us this morning. We pray that, um, that you'll just empower me, Father, to only say those things that you would have me to say and that your name will just be honoured and glorified. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Okay, so we have been um, looking at, um, essentially, theology. So we've been looking at um, uh, the, the character um, of God. And we started off the series by um, looking at um, the, um, the, you know, the case that there is indeed um, a God. And then we looked at um, uh, the essence of God, which we defined as being um, God's total being, that, you know, uh, his, his overall being. And then we started looking at aspects of who God is. And um, we started looking at the nature of God. And with the nature of God, we saw, um, you know, that he was um, spiritual. Um, we saw that um, he, was, um, he was a personal God. And we also saw that he was a, um, uh, you know, just one God. So he was, you know, we saw the unity of the Godhead. And then we also saw that um, we saw the triunity of Godhead, that there are three persons um, in the Godhead, even though that there's only one God. And, um, and now, in this last section of the series, um, which, you know, is, is the remainder of the series, we look at the names of God. And, um, and so we'll just do a... Um, uh, we're going to start the introduction um, of that uh, today. So we'll just start off with a question of, um, you know, what is the most important thing in life? Oh, not that one. Um, so, you know, what's the most important thing 
um, in life um, to each of us. And so we've got a, we've got a couple of um, uh, quotes here. So John Calvin has, um, has said that sacred doctrine consists entirely of these two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. Um, and then in Philippians chapter 3, which is where we, we just turned to, um, in verse 10, um, Paul says to know him, but I just wanted to go through, just read essentially the whole, the whole chapter. So we'll go back to verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. I write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of all workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and resist Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he whereof he might trust in the flesh, I the more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have ended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followed together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now, so verses 8 through to 10, you know, is right in the middle of this passage where Paul starts off 
in verse 2 by um, warning the Philippians to beware of dogs or workers or the concision. You know, and this is something that Paul often does, is warning um, the believers of um, who would come into the church and, and, and divide the church in, in, in various ways. Um, you know, we've just looked at the book of Hebrews and, you know, that was uh, Paul educating the, the saved um, Jews, you know, about Judaism, about, you know, where that um, sits in relation to the gospel now. And, um, and then often in... Um, now, even in, in the book of Acts, um, Paul is often warning um, the various churches. And so, you know, that's the context of this chapter. And then in verse 8, Doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, you know, talking about his, his past, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but that I may um, win Christ and be found in not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Why? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. You know, so Paul's desire was to know him, you know, among other things, but his desire was to know, was to know God. So that's um, John Calvin and the Apostle. Let's see what some other people um, have to say about you know what is the most important thing. So um, over to John chapter 17 and we'll see what Christ has to say about the matter. So chapter 17 and verse 3. Uh, we'll just read from verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all, he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. That might be helpful, hey? There we go. Um, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Okay, so that they might know thee is what Jesus said. Now, the average person, um, and, and of course this, so just turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. So this is what God says that the, um, you know, that man has a problem with. And I'll explain that in a, in a moment. So Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. So thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. So what's saying there, so this is a warning of God because he knows what man is like. Um, man is prone to glorying in his wisdom or glorying in his might um, or glorying in his riches. And so here's that warning there. 
Um, so that's what the average person would consider most important, that some of those things. And then over the next verse, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, this is what God the says is the most important thing. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. These are the things that God delights in, that we understand and know him, that he is the Lord who exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. So the most invaluable thing that can be said is that we understand and know God. So all these reasons reveal the most important thing in all of life is that we know God. So just, just think of that. Knowing him is more important you know, than being you know, the president of, the, um, of the, you know, one of the world's greatest nations or being a billionaire or you know, king or queen. Um, of you know a, a, a great nation <coughs> knowing God is more important than any of that so is knowing him more important to us <coughs> excuse me and as as we consider the names of God, this is what we'd be thinking about, is how important to us is knowing God. So, so what is knowing God? What do we mean by knowing God? So, do we know the minister? Okay, well, we know of him, but we don't, we don't know him personally, do we? Well, I don't think any of us here do. Um, we can know someone in the sense that we've heard of them and know basically who they are, you know, such as even sports heroes or, or, or whatever. Um, people that are, that are sort of um, are famous, you know we, know, we know about them or we know, you know, as much as what, the media reveals to us about them. Um, but there's, al there's also a deeper knowledge. You know, when we have met with someone and talked with them, for example, you know, met them, shook their hand, um, and officially introduced to you, perhaps we have even talked, you know, with, with such a, a, a person um, or even had a meal with them. Yeah, there's even a deeper knowledge um, than that. Have we gone places with them and done things with them? You know, so there's, there's various levels, isn't there, of knowing someone. Um, and finally, there is full knowledge, um, such as living with somebody. As, for example, your family. You know, within your family, you know we're quite, you know, warts and all. Um, and that's... That's the, the, the full knowledge that, that you know, we, can, we can have of someone. Well, in the Bible, there's two Greek words that indicate the different types of knowledge. There's gnosis, 
which means to seek to know, to investigate, or to study. This is knowing about someone and maybe even reading about them as in an historical figure. So that's gnosis. Then there's epigenosis, which is a full knowledge, participation by the knower in the object known. This is deep experiential knowledge, as in our family relationships. So these are the two kinds of knowledge um, that we find, um, or the two Greek words for knowledge in the New Testament. So turn now over now to Second Peter chapter one. In Second Peter one verses two through to eight, we have um, we have these two types of knowledge mentioned. Um, again, we'll just read from verse one. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and promises that by these ye might be partakers of the human nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust and beside this giving all dims add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity for if these things be in you and abound they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the word knowledge occurs um, well in verses um, 2 to 5 three times. And we're going to look at how the Greek word is used um, each time. In verse 2, grace and peace be more to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. This is the word epigenosis, which is that full experiential knowledge. And then in verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So the knowledge of him there in verse 3, once again, is epigenosis. And then in verse 5, And beside this, giving all diligence, and your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. And this, no, this word is gnosis, which is that um, knowledge that you have have studied someone or learnt of observed them. So here Peter wants us to have both a, a gnosis of God and an epigenosis um, of God. So a studied um, understanding or knowledge of God and an experiential um, knowledge of God. So when we apply 
these um, uh, words of knowing God, we learn the following truths. So what is knowing God? So knowing God is not merely knowing about God. And just turn to Hosea chapter 4. And verse 1. In Hosea 4, 1, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge God in the land. So what's the issue that God has with the nation of Israel at this time? Um, that they have no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God. And yet, um, he is talking to um, a nation that does know about God. Okay, but what he means here is talking about just merely knowing God um, in, in the sense of knowing what he has done, but it's knowing God experientially, okay? A full knowledge of God, you know, as, as, as we have a, a fuller knowledge of each other within a family. You know, so think about the difference between knowing each other, you know, in a family unit um, and um, knowing about someone maybe whom you've studied. Um, Obviously here that, you know, God is talking about that they haven't got an experiential knowledge of him. They just know about the history of God's works in the nation of Israel. So in Hosea, the Lord charges Israel with not knowing God, but they obviously knew him. In fact, I could give you hundreds of stories about him. They knew all the things he had done in Israel's history. So what this means is that they knew about him, but they did not have they did not have an intimate, personal, relational knowledge of him. This shows us that we can know about God, but still not know him. That's the first thing. The second thing, knowing God is knowing him intimately and completely. Verses 2 and 3. Back, back to um, Second Peter. So grace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, this, this intimate, personal um, knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge, that full, um, intimate, personal knowledge of God, of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So how do we get this intimate, full knowledge of God. So there's through three things. Firstly, through experience or involvement. When... God's word is not like 
know, a, a, lot of, a lot of books today. You know, you can read a book and enjoy it, put it down, forget about it. I mean, you can do that with the Word of God, but that's, that's not what we, you're supposed to do with the Word of God, is it? You know, we read God's Word, we get to know God better, um, and we get to um, know what he, he is like, but know what He likes, what He dislikes, um, what He expects of us, um, how we live Him. Um, there's, there's an expectation on our, on our um, uh, behalf, isn't there? When we, when we learn about God, when we develop our relationship with God. The difference with Christianity and, and um, other religions or cults is that we get to have a relationship with our God who is not only um, a theoretical God, but he is the God. He, he, is, he is real. And that what ma- that's what makes it different um, that's what sets Christianity apart from other religions or cults, is that we worship a true and living God. Not a, and it, but it's not one way. You know, he wants us to get to know him. He wants to have a relationship with us. That, that's his desire. You know, this is, this is the God who created everything um, the God who created us the God who created us in spite of the fact that he knew that we would reject him like mankind I'm talking about um, in spite of all that he created mankind knowing full well that mankind would reject him but he had a plan didn't he We've, we've seen that. He ha- we saw that when we looked at the tabernacle and the book of Hebrews. He had a plan of sending his son to die on the cross um, for our sins. You know, what a God we have who, who, who loves us so much. And of course, not everybody accepts Christ as their saviour. And that's, that's the... Christ is the ultimate gift um, that he could offer mankind. And that's why God is completely justified in pouring out his wrath on those who reject Christ and die in their sins. Um, and, um, but his desire for us is to have a relationship with us. We have the privilege and the opportunity of having a relationship with God, the creator of the universe, the creator of everything, the all-powerful, mighty God. And we're going to learn a little about him. Um, we've, we've learned lots about him, but we're going to learn more about him through his, through his names. And, um, you know, what a privilege we have of, of, getting, of being able to have such a relationship with God. The rela- you know, those of us who are married, the relationship that we have um, with our wives or husbands um, is a picture of the relationship that we can have with, with God, you know, which is a close, intimate relationship. But we can't, you know, it's, it's not just about knowing about God. You know, it's about 
taking God at his word. It's about trusting God that he will indeed, you know, if we seek first his kingdom, um, he will provide our needs. It's trusting God when he makes promises like that. That is an experiential knowledge of God. You know, there's many such promises throughout scripture that we can claim. And that's how we get an experiential knowledge um, of God. So experience is the first way of, of knowing God. Fellowship, you know, spending time with him in his word um, is um, and, and the second way of getting to know God, having communion with him. Talk to God. You know, us talking to God through prayer, God talking to us through his word. You know, this is his, his word for us. He's, everything that he has to say to us for this life is all here in his word. Um, he's recorded everything that we need in his It's complemented by creation, but everything we need to know um, about God is in his So that's our opportunity hearing from him. Um, John, uh, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. So this is, this is John talking, of course. That ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So here in 1 John 1, 3, John had seen him, had heard him, and had fellowshiped with him. This is far different than just knowing about someone. Do we have this kind of knowledge um, of God? And then thirdly, meditation. Just turn uh, back to Jeremiah chapter 9. Um, but let him that glorieth glory in this you know this is, this is God's word that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am Lord which exercise loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight saith the Lord the word for knowing here is the word that means to observe so we are to watch the Lord, studying him as we do. It is like a father or mother who watches every move of their baby. They are absorbed in them. They are getting to know every little smile, every dimple, every funny way um, about that child. We are to meditate on him, you know, in a, in a similar way. Um, we are to think often about 
we are to we we are we need to try to know him intimately and the result of this as you know as we spend time getting to know god through, you know experience being involved in his work taking him at his word um as as we fellowship with him as we meditate or think on think on as we do all of that then what will happen is in second corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10 it's a it's a verse that we're all quite familiar with but it's it's a good verse to be reminded but we all with oh excuse me <coughs> but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the lord changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord as we hold our god you know through being involved um with him you know taking him at his word through fellowship with him in his word through meditating on him through his word as we do that the holy spirit will change us by little into that same image we will be conformed to the image of christ and you know that's that's our ultimate end isn't it is that we will ultimately um, be in God's um, image, in you know, in in practicality as well when we have our glorified bodies. Um, but now we just you know need to progress toward that end. But it's not us that conforms us. You know, we need to get to know God. As we go through this process of getting to know God. It is the Holy Spirit who will change us into that image, um, into the image of um, Christ. And it's important that we remember that. It's not us that changes ourselves. Um, it is God who changes us into his image. And then, although these lessons are about God, they are useless if we do not use to become more intimately and experientially acquainted with him this all has a great deal to do with why jesus came to earth um, and we've got three parts essentially to our introduction to the names of god that's the end first part the next part we'll do um, next week so but how much of a priority do we place on knowing god okay we need to place a priority you know on getting to know god what is important to us how important is it to us that we get to know our god and our priorities you know if we if we think about what our priorities in life are that will tell us how important it is for us you know to us um about getting to know god all right let's pray do you have any fun do Thank you so much um, that you are such a great, big, wonderful God, that even though that you are the creator um, of everything, the God of gods, the lords, the king of kings, that you desire to have a relationship um, with each of us individually, Father. And in spite of us, you, you desire to have that relationship with us. And we thank you and praise you for such um, a privilege 
that we have of being able to have a relationship with you. And we pray, Father, that you help each of us um, to make that a priority in our lives, um, to, um, to get to know you better, Father, to, um, to live for you as you would have us to, to, um, uh, to just spend time with you and have a close relationship with you. And we pray, Father, that you'll just work in our hearts and lives and use us for your honour and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you.